Carrie, I stand before you today in the presence of God, family, and friends to be your husband. Through the Holy Spirit, I commit to be the husband that Christ has called me to be and love you as he loves you. I will put Jesus first in my life and will urge you to do the same. I will pray for you, encourage you in your faith so that God may receive all the glory for our marriage. I vow to lay down my life for you as Christ has for the church and to guide our lives according to God's word. Carrie, I belong to God and you alone. And I read that and I think to myself, I have failed at keeping that vow. And there are moments where I have nailed it. And there are other moments where I've like greatly failed at keeping this vow. And, I, and I'm just going to throw it at a guess that probably everyone married in here has failed at their vows in some way or another. But this is not the same with God. He is faithful. He will do what he says he will do. See, Psalm 20, verse 7 says this, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, some in the housing market, some in the way we gather, some in relationships, some in country stability, some in a spouse, some in someone saying that they're going to change a diaper. But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust the name of the Lord, our God. See, all these examples I just gave, that doesn't apply to Yahweh. It doesn't apply to our Father in heaven. And so as we continue here, we go to the verse of our series. Oh, I'm off. There we go. <clears throat> Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And faithfulness. So we get to the last attribute of God this morning. <clears throat> And so, as we've done throughout our series, uh, we're going to unpack this word a little bit. So, in the Hebrew, the word faithfulness means emet, emet. So, you can all say that, emet, okay? And it's consistently translated throughout the scriptures as faithful or true, faithful or true, okay? And as you kind of dig into this word a little bit, um, it can also mean Stability, or certainty, or truth, or trustworthiness, or assured, or establishment, or faithful, right, sure, true. So this morning, as we approach this word, we can see it as the faithfulness of God, or I like to see it as the, the trustworthiness of God. God is faithful. God is trustworthy, Okay. He is the truth. He is the origin of truth. We can trust him. He's worthy of our trust. He's the only one worthy of our trust. He's the only one who is truly trustworthy. <clears throat> See, we aren't actually called to some blind faith. We're called to put our trust and our faith in someone 
who is faithful and who is trustworthy. See, blind faith is saying, you know, well, there's only 12 games left in the season, but I really think the Jets are going to hold on and make the playoffs. Just got to have faith. That's blind faith. Okay? They're proving recently. I'm not, I'm not really into the Jets, but like, they're proving recently, according to their numbers, that maybe they're not as trustworthy as we thought they were. Right? That's not what we're called to. We're called to put our faith and our trust in somebody, in someone who is the most trustworthy, who is only trustworthy. The, uh, the contemporary English version, I think it is, says that I can be, tr- I'm steadfast love and I, and I can be trusted. I, I like that. I like that. The idea of God saying, I, I am trustworthy. I am faithful. You can put your faith and your trust in me. See, imagine just even this context of this verse of Exodus 34. The Israelites have already seen manna come from heaven, water from a rock, the Red Sea split. And then, and then Yahweh comes and he says, you can trust me. I'm faithful. I just rescued you from the Egyptians. If we look at the life of Abraham, I'm just going to go through this quickly. In Genesis 15, 5 to 6, God promises Abraham that he'll make a great nation out of him. Abraham and Sarah have no kids. They're, they're old. But God says, no, you're, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And and Abraham trusts in God. And what happens? God makes a nation out of them, like he said he would. We keep going in, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And this is Yahweh to David. And he says, I'm going to put someone on your throne forever. Everlasting kingdom. Forever. Someone's going to be on your throne. So there's this promise that God makes to David and to the people of God, to the Israelites, that there's going to be someone forever. And then we come to Daniel 7, and we see this vision of the Son of Man, who is this, who is this fulfillment of what God said to David. And the Son of Man who, who is given an everlasting dominion, and nations, all nations will worship him and bow down before him. And we see the Son of Man come in Daniel 7. And so God's saying, no, I, I'll make a nation of you. You're going to be blessed. And then to David, there will be someone on your throne forever and ever. We see this in Daniel 7. And then we come to Matthew 1 verse 1. And Matthew 1 verse 1 says this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And what term does Jesus call himself more than any other term? The son of man. And so we see God, Yahweh, saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Jesus shows up, he says, here I am, I'm the answer. I'm the answer. I'm the answer to your questions, right? Israel, at that time when Jesus came on the scene, they were wondering, God, have you forgotten your covenant? You said that this was going to happen. You said that there was going to be freedom. You said that there was going to be a kingdom. And what? There's nothing happening. There's nothing happening. And then Jesus shows up. 
from the line of Abraham, from the line of David, calling himself the Son of Man. In Romans chapter 15, it says this about Jesus. Romans 15, verse 8 and 9 says this, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, to the Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promise given to the patriarchs in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to the question that you might be having, that the Israelites might have been having. And can I put my trust in God? Can I put my faith in him? And the answer is, the Sunday school answer is, yes, Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. See, if we just look at the life of Jesus, we see the faithfulness of God. I mean, we see this trustworthiness. Think about, have you ever, have you ever in your life predicted your own death and resurrection? Show of hands. Anybody here? No? No one's called it? No? Jesus called it. He said, I'm going to die, and three days later I'm going to rise. And the disciples were like, what is this guy talking about? And Jesus was like, no, I'm, I'm going I'm to rise from the grave after I die. He called it. Like, that's like, that is, if that isn't trustworthy afterwards, when you see this guy, well, he called this. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in on Jesus. Or we think about, in modern day, we think about May 14, 1948, when Israel became a nation again. And we ask the question, has this been talked about before? And it's all over the Old Testament of God bringing his people back to their land. And 1948 blew people's minds because Israel was back, just like God said it would. God said, I'm going to bring all my people back. And it's amazing. And he even said that they're going to come to know him. And if you read reports of Israel, Jesus is the most Googled search in Israel. He is, there is a awakening to Jesus happening in that country amongst the Jewish people. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. He does what he says he will do. And then we get to Mark chapter 4. And I, I just want to take us through this passage a little bit this morning. We're not going to go verse by verse through it. But Mark 4, 35 to end of chapter 5. And I want us just to put, us, put ourselves in the story here, okay? So to start, just imagine... You're on a boat. Or just imagine, you know what? Don't even imagine that. Okay, let's imagine you're driving on Highway 75, okay? And it's a whiteout. And Jesus is in the back seat sleeping. And you're just like, it's just, your hands are grimy, you have sweat, just armpits are just, it's just nasty. It's just, you know, you got, your, you got your head out the window pretty much just looking at the one line on the side because you can't see anything. And 
and it's just getting crazy out there. And then you ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, like, we're going to, like, this isn't working well. And he wakes up, and he's like, and all of a sudden, just the blizzard stops. He says, peace, be still. Just imagine yourself, next time you're, you see a blizzard, which hopefully will never happen again this year, but next time you see a blizzard or whatever else you might be seeing, and you just imagine just going still. Just with a word. Wow. Now we get to the story. We have these, these professional fishermen in a boat. And they're, it's not just, they're not in a comfy car that's got heat going. They're, they're in a boat and a storm is coming and the water's coming into the boat. And they're, they're like, we're going to die. And we have Jesus sleeping in the boat. And they wake him up and they're like, Jesus, like, we're going to die. Don't you care about us? We're going to die. And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. He wakes up and just, boom! Stillness. Just with a word. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said, to, like, I think sometimes, oh, wow, this, oh, Jesus is amazing. It's like, oh, my. The weather obeys him? Who is this? And they were freaked out. And then he, they get to the other side, and then there's a demon-possessed man who chains can't hold him. And just imagine, remember it said, it said two, he went into 2,000 pigs. Like, how many demons are in this man? There's a lot. We don't know, but there's 2,000 pigs worth of. I don't know what the, the conversion rate is on that. But, like, there's a lot of demons in this man. Chains can't hold him. Jesus says, let's get out of him. And he's like, yeah, sure, go to the pigs. I'll give you permission to do that. And then they see this demon-possessed man in his right mind, wanting to follow Jesus. And they're like, what just happened? There's pigs in the lake. There's this demon-possessed man that's just, he's not demon-possessed anymore. And there's this Jesus. We're like, who is this? And they didn't even want him there. They were freaked out. They were afraid. They're like, what, what is going on? And then we keep going. And we have Jairus come up to Jesus, saying, my daughter is dying. Please come heal him. Please come heal her. And at the same time, we have this profound story of this woman who's been suffering. And in the midst of this crowd, Jesus has this, just, he's crowded and he's, he's, he's being touched by so many people. And we have this woman who reaches out by just touch his garment and just reaches out in faith and trust. I think Jesus is the one that can help me. In an instant, healed. And the, I just love it. Jesus is like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, this guy is crazy. Like, everybody is touching you, Jesus. He's like, nope. Something just happened. Something just came out of me. And this woman falls before him. And I just love it. Jesus approaches and, and says to her daughter, 
Like it's, an, it's endearing, like daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And then, it, but while the same time is all happening, we, A, just amazing, like the presence of Jesus, right? Like he's on his way to heal a sick girl and then he gets interrupted by this random girl grabbing his garment and he stops the whole thing and just one-on-one with her. He's just present to her. Oh, daughter, you are amazing. <laughs> you are, your faith has made you well. So he keeps on going, and he gets to Jairus' place. Well, before he gets there, uh, he, before he gets there, he is, they're told that, well, actually the girl died. So don't bother the teacher. Don't bother Jesus anymore. And, uh, and Jesus, he's, he, uh, he tells Jairus, he says, don't fear, don't be afraid. Just believe, just have faith, just trust in me. So they go in, he brings, he brings his core three disciples with him. And then there's people weeping and wailing, like often people, there's these mourners that often go to different places of mourning and, and mourn. And so he just tells them, this, this He's just sleeping, and they laugh at him. It's like, what are you? It's, you're crazy. It, it seems to be a theme, like, Jesus, everyone's touching you. Oh, Jesus, oh, this girl just died. Uh, don't you know, Jesus, what's going on? Jesus is like, okay, so let me do my thing here, you guys. And so they go into this house, and he goes to this girl. And from what I've heard from people teaching this before, is this, this phrase, this this phrase that he uses, it says, little girl, I say to arise, it's actually like, it's just like, it's this term of endearment once again, little girl. It's almost like, hey, sweetie, get up. Hey, sweetie, get up. And immediately she got up and began walking. And she was a 12-year-old. And everybody was overcome with amazement. And so think about this. We have, this, we have Jesus who, like, like, peace be still. <sighs> Quiet. We have this demon-possessed man and just come out of him. And he's in his right mind. And we have him in a crowd and this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years and just touches him. She's good. And then this dead girl, he just says, sweetie, get up. Didn't make a big show out of it. Just, sweetie, come on. Come on, honey. Time to keep going on your day. And she comes back to life. So we have this one who rebukes the weather. We have this one who casts out demons. We have this one who heals the sick. And we have this one who raises the dead. And then we have in, in Exodus 34, Yahweh saying, I'm faithful. And I'm so faithful that I'm going to send my son 
to die on the cross for the world, to prove that I'm faithful, to prove that I'm the only one that's worth trusting in. And then we have his son, Jesus, on the scene doing these insane things in love, in compassion, in power. And he's asking people, he says, you still have no faith. Look at what I do. I just remember, like, John the Baptist, his, his disciples would come up to Jesus, and, and they asked him, like, are you the one? Like, John wants to know, are you the one? He's doubting in prison. Are you the one to come? And Jesus says, just tell him what you see. Tell him what you see. Storms cease. Demons are gone. Sickness is gone. Death is gone. Just tell him what you see. You can put your trust in me. And so my question for all of us this morning is we have a faithful God, a trustworthy God, who has proven himself in the word, in modern day. I have stories in my life where Jesus has shown up and shows me, you can, you can trust me. And so my question is, the same question that Jesus posed to the disciples on that boat was, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Have you still no trust? Look at me. Look what I've done. So my question for us is, do you trust enough to be like that woman? Just, I just need to grab Jesus. Or, do you trust enough to wake Jesus up in the boat? And, Jesus, 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 do you see this all? Uh, we need you, I think. And then he comes in peace. Do you trust Jesus enough? Because I think it's very fitting that God is a faithful God. And right at the end of Exodus 34, 6, that's the last word. It's the last word. And so we can say, we can say, the Lord, the Lord, he is faithful to be merciful. You can count on that. He is faithful to be gracious. You can count on that. He is faithful to be slow to anger. You can count on that. And he's abounding in steadfast love. Yeah, you can count on that. He's faithful. He's trustworthy to be those things because he is the trustworthy God because he is the only one that's worth putting trust in. You put your trust in riches, it's going to fall. You put your trust in a country, it's going to fall. You put your trust in a relationship, well, they might not change the diaper. You know, it's just not going to work. It's not going to work 100% of the time. Jesus is the only one that's going to work 100% of the time. He's the only one that's going to work 100% of the time. And, I, and the crazy part is, is that as we see all this stuff in the Scripture, we see in Psalm 89, I'm just going to go there, in Psalm 89... We see this profound, profound poem. And we start off in Psalm 89. It says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. But then we turn to verse 39. And he says this, but now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. 
You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. Verse 46, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is for what vanity you have created all the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old? Which by your faithfulness you swore to David? He's like, you have rejected us. You have renounced the covenant. And so at the same time, we have this, this, this Red Sea parting God who just by a touch of his garment, 12 years of suffering, gone an instant. And at the same time, in Psalm 89, this is in the middle of when they're in exile, we have this, this reality of like, okay, so I'm, like, you are the faithful God, but what is going on? And so maybe for some of you today, I, I just, just pause, like, I just think that's profound that in the Bible, we have this incredible, like, teaching and story of all, of, of Jesus and, and Yahweh and all these things, amazing things that happened. And then at the same time, we have this, these moments of these people in exile just like, but what is going on? We, and it's, the Bible is a magnificent book. It, it, there's this tension sometimes we feel. There's this tension sometimes that we feel. And that, like that it, it, it speaks to human experience, right? It speaks to human experience. It's not just some book that's fluffy, just... No, it speaks like this. This guy in Psalm 89 is like, you have rejected us, God. But like 30 verses earlier, he's like, you are faithful, we'll proclaim it. So this guy, what's going on with this guy? And so maybe for some of you today, you have never put your trust in Jesus. You've never given your life to him. Now, this is the, this is the one who gave up his life for you. He loves you like crazy enough to die on a cross for you, which he called. And then he rose from the grave, which he also called. We can trust that. So maybe for some of you today, you've actually never put your trust where you're actually like that woman, just like, I have nothing left to give. Like, I just have to reach out. I just got to get to this. I got to, I got to work. Like, there was a crowd, so she had to, like, work through the crowd. Like, she, and she probably wasn't feeling healthy either. She, she had to just get herself there. She, maybe she was crawling, I don't know that, but then just like, just a touch. So maybe for some of you, today is a day where you say, Jesus, I am just, you are worth it. You are faithful. You are trustworthy. I am just, I'm going for it. Maybe for some of you, you have more of a Psalm 89 experience right now. Where you're like, oh, I know God is faithful. I know he is trustworthy. I know I can put my hope in him. I know all these things. I know he's worthy of just getting through the crowd just to reach out, touch him. But at the same time, I'm like, where are you, God? What is going on? And I just want to, I just want to give you courage today to say God is trustworthy. And in the midst of your Psalm 89 moment, 
he is faithful. In the midst of your Psalm 89, you can remember that, oh yeah, Jesus gave it all for me. Jesus gave it all for me. In your Psalm 89 moment, you can, you can just look at a map and be like, there's Israel. That's crazy. Wow, God is faithful. In your Psalm 89 moment, you can sit in your circumstance and worship because you know that God is faithful. And you know what? In your Psalm 89 moment, you can turn to Revelation 21. Because Jesus never promises us an easy life. He never promises us that we're going to avoid suffering. Actually, he tells us that we're gonna, we should expect suffering. And in your Psalm 89 moment, you can go like this. All right, God, this is how it ends. You're trustworthy. You've proven it throughout history. I'm just going to lean into this. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Pause. That's, that's going to happen. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. This is what his word says. He's proven it over and over and over and over and over again. So in your circumstance, you can say, no, no, no. There's a holy city coming. Down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That husband is going to fulfill every single vow he's ever made. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Game plan since Genesis. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. These are faithful words that you can take to the bank. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and I will be my son. And usually we stop at verse 7, but we'll go to verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Everything I just read from Revelation 21 is going to happen yet. And God is trustworthy and faithful that he will accomplish that. And so my invitation is wherever you're at this morning, put your trust in Jesus. And maybe for some of us that is a first-time thing. Maybe that's a recommitment thing. Maybe that's a, I got nothing, but I'm, I'm just going to reach out. So I'll invite the band to for a final song. And as you sing this song, I just invite you just to surrender. Just to give it all to him. And uh, because 
it's not like we're putting our trust in someone that isn't deserving of trust. We're putting our trust in someone who's actually the only one that's fully deserving of trust. And so let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll worship together. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, the one who calms seas, the one who casts out demons, the one who heals the sick, the one who raises the dead, the one who rose from the dead, the one whose blood covers our sins, the one who forgives. Jesus, you are the most worthy. And so we praise you and we worship you, Jesus. You are faithful. You are faithful. All our life you've been faithful. And so we praise you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand.